Turn with me, if you will, to the book of 1 John. Toward the end of the Bible, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. So that can kind of give you a ballpark of where to go. Book of 1 John. David and Jonathan in the Bible had a, a great friendship. Uh, Jonathan supported David even when his father was trying to kill him. Uh, he gave David a message so that he could get away. Uh, later on, he came and he uh, encouraged David when David was, was running from his father. Uh, and, and they were just great friends. Later on, uh, after Jonathan died, uh, David took Mephibosheth, Jonathan's relative, and let him eat at his table, uh, even though uh, he was a member of the family of the king who was trying to kill them. So there's a great great relationship between David and Jonathan. Uh, we need friendships in our lives, but the most important friendship that we need is that friendship with God. And in that friendship with God, he meets the deepest needs of our hearts. You know, there are some things that your husband or wife can't, they, they can't meet those needs. Your friends can't meet those needs. Only God can meet those deepest needs of the human heart. So John, here in this, in this letter that he wrote to the church, uh, is addressing some issues in the church. They apparently had some false teachers who, who believed that you could live however you wanted to live and have fellowship with God. Uh, they were calling um, the things that John had said to be wrong. Uh, and so John here is giving us the truth. He, is, he says, hey, look. I'm an apostle, I, I walk with Jesus, and, and the other apostles as well, we walk with Jesus, uh, we saw what he did, we saw how he lived, uh, we saw how he interacted with people, we heard what he taught, we saw how he lived, and we're declaring this to you. Uh, we want you to understand how to have a close relationship with God so that you can enjoy those benefits and not listen to the errors that would lead you astray. So as you, you and I, as God's people, need to take the steps necessary to have that close relationship with God. So the title of my message is Enjoying a Close Relationship with God. And let's begin reading here in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. What was from the beginning, we have heard. What we have seen with our eyes. What we have observed. And have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The word of life is Jesus. He says, we heard him, we've seen him, we've touched him. That life was revealed and we have seen it. And we testify and declare to you the eternal life. That is, Jesus is eternal life. He is the one who brings eternal life. The eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, this fellowship is just another way of describing a close relationship with God. Let's continue in verse 5. Now, this is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him, yet we walk in darkness, 
we are lying and are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Enjoying a close relationship with God. What are the steps that we need to take to enjoy a close relationship with God? Well, first of all, we need to receive his salvation. Receive his salvation. The Bible teaches that there is no way that a sinful human being, which we all are, uh, can have a relationship with a holy, righteous God. There's no other way under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That way is Jesus Christ. He says, he's, he's talking, when he's talking about Jesus, there some that were saying, well, maybe Jesus didn't really physically come. He says, hey, we have seen him. We have put our hands on him and touched him. Uh, we know he was real. We, we walked with him. We talked with him. And he is the source of salvation. He says in verse 3, what we have seen and heard, we declare to you. We're telling you about him so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. How does God make that relationship with himself possible? Well, he sent his Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He's the only human being to ever live who never committed one sin. He never failed to do what he was supposed to do. He never did something he wasn't supposed to do. He never had a, an impure thought. He, he never took uh, selfishness as a way of life. Uh, Jesus in everything that he did was perfect and spotless in his life. He lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross for our sins. For my sins. For your sins. For everybody's sins. Jesus took it upon himself. He died. He paid the penalty for that sin. He took the wrath of God for your sin and for mine upon himself. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then finally he said, it is finished. The price is paid so that you could have eternal life. Three days later, Jesus, having died, he rose from the dead. And he then uh, told his disciples, I want you to go and I want you to share this message with people all over the world so that they can have a relationship with me. What happens when you make a decision to, to turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus by receiving his salvation through prayer. Jesus changes your heart. He takes that barrier of sin and he removes it. So that you can have fellowship with God. So that is the first step. Uh, in order to have fellowship uh, with God. Close fellowship. You have to receive his salvation. Uh, I saw a movie one time. And this man is up in the attic, it's around Christmas time, and he finds this present up in the attic. 
that somehow was misplaced, and he pulls it out, and there's dust all over it. He blows on it. You know, See, the gift was there. He had just never received it. You see, you and I have this gift, this gift of salvation that God has given us, but we must receive it. The price has been paid, but we must receive it. So if you want to have close relationship with God, the first step is to receive God's salvation. Secondly, uh, if you want to have a close relationship with God, you need to know His character. So first of all, receive His salvation. Secondly, know His character. Look at verse 5, the second part of verse 5. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in Him. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in Him. Now, the Bible uses light and darkness as a symbol of, of the purity and righteous life uh, of God, the light. And then the darkness is a picture of sin. Uh, light also reveals, and so, so God reveals himself to us, but he lives in that righteous, perfect holy lifestyle, day in and day out. God is holy. He's perfect. And guess what? God hates sin. God's not neutral towards sin. God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. He, he, has, he has no sin whatsoever, and he hates sin. He is opposed to sin. That is why Jesus had to die. There's no other way that God could have a relationship with us, but through Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. His payment for sin so that sin could be dealt with so we could have a relationship with God. And guess what? God not only sent Jesus to die so that we could be forgiven and have heaven, but he also sent him to set us free from the power of sin so that we could live in victory and we could walk in righteousness. Now, it won't be perfect righteousness, but it will, we can live in righteousness as we are filled with the Spirit. And so, um, I remember when I was uh, uh, early on in my marriage, and uh, I began to, to understand, I, I heard this, this book, read this book called The Five Love Languages. And I went through the five love languages, and there was one of those languages, which was acts of service. And as I was reading through that acts of service section in that book, a light bulb went on in my head. You know, you know that happens to us occasionally, right? You, you, all of a sudden, the light bulb comes on. And I realized for the first time that the, how I needed to help my wife feel love was to do acts of service, because that was her love language. And so I began to do that, and guess what? It helped our relationship. I knew something about her. I, I understood something about her character, and it helped me to draw close to her. Does that make sense? And so the same thing is true of God. You need to understand that God is not just uh, not sinful, but he hates sin. He's against sin. And so if you want to draw close to the Lord... You need to live a righteous life. You say, well, preacher, I thought how we live didn't get us to heaven. You're absolutely right. It doesn't. If, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're saved. You're God's child, and that can't be taken away from you. It is eternal life because, I mean, it is eternal. 
But that being said, it does not also mean that it doesn't matter how we live to have a close relationship with God. If you want to have a close relationship with God, you need to understand his character that is absolutely opposed to sin, and you need to to live that lifestyle of righteousness so that you can draw close to the Lord. Okay? Uh, He said, why does John say this? John says it's because he wants them to understand the people who are saying, we have a close relationship with God, but we're living in sin, they, or we're not even sinful. You know, they may have just denied sin altogether. Uh, we, we, are, we are living in this close relationship with God, but you could see the sinful lifestyle that they lived. And John said, that's just not so. You cannot have a close relationship with God and live in sin at the same time. It just won't happen. Now, you can be saved and, and have a season of time in your life where you're struggling with sin. But, but if you want to walk closely with the Lord, there needs to be a righteous lifestyle. Now, how do we do with that? Well, there's none of us that do it perfectly. Okay? Um, how do you live a righteous lifestyle? Well, you need to take care of your sin. You need to, to confess that to God, which we're going to talk about here a little bit more in a minute. Uh, but you also need to learn how to walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see, God gives us the Holy Spirit when we become a Christian. And the Bible says we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It just means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And, and what we do is we can ask for that filling. Uh, we need to surrender our will because if we uh, are, are resisting the Holy Spirit, we'll quench the Holy Spirit. So we need to surrender our will. We need to, to trust him and to, to follow him. Okay, So uh, that's what it means to walk in the spirit. And this is a great prayer to pray. Lord, teach me how to walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, That's one thing to know the steps. It's another thing to live that out day by day in your life. And, and you grow as a Christian. Part of that growth is learning how to walk in the spirit of God. Because I'm going to tell you what will happen when you walk in the Spirit of God. That old sin nature that you can't get a handle on, when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you will have victory over it. Now, you may have temptation, you may have struggle, but, but you will have victory over it. How do I know that? Because the Bible says so. <laughs> also, because I've experienced seasons of time in my life where I've walked in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I've seen that those things which had a grip on me before, there's a freedom that comes when you walk filled with the Holy Spirit. So let me encourage you to do that. Uh, So if you want a close relationship with God, you've got to receive his salvation. You need to know his character. Thirdly, you need to evaluate your life. We need to evaluate our lives. Okay? Uh, He gives several if-then statements here. Uh, to evaluate where we are with God. Look at verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, or walk in, live in sin is another way to say that, we're lying and are not practicing the truth. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people talk about having a close relationship with God, and yet they're living in habitual, ongoing sin. You know what what I say to that? It's not true. 
They're not having close fellowship with God. You know how I know that? That's what the Bible says right here. You're walking in ongoing sin in your life. You're not living in fellowship with him. Look at verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Guess what's going to happen when you live a righteous lifestyle? Not only are you going to have better fellowship with God, you're going to have better fellowship with other people. Better relationship with other people who are children of God. That kinship, that encouraging uh, bond with other believers will be there. In verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. There apparently were some that were saying, well, I don't sin, I got that licked. I know of people today uh, who believe you can live a sinlessly perfect life. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we all will struggle with sin. So if anybody tells you, I don't sin, uh, one of two things is happening. Either they're telling you in a bold-faced lie, or they just don't understand sin. There are some people that just don't understand sin. They think sin is going out and just killing somebody. Yes, that's a sin, but, but there's a whole lot more that goes to sin than just that. Our, our um, thought life can be sinful. Our attitudes can be sinful. Uh, you know, how we treat other people. Gossip is sinful. How many? I mean, telling a lie is sinful. I mean, there's so many things. And so, uh, you've got to recognize that you're a sinner. Uh, if you say that you have no sin, uh, you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. Look at verse 10. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So if we say you don't have sin, you're saying to God, you're a liar, because God says we're sinful. So you think John's trying to make a point? Yes, we're all sinners, and we all need the grace of God. So you've got to evaluate your life. What are your viewpoints on these things? Do you believe you can live in sin, sinless perfection? First of all, the Bible says this. Jesus, these are actually the words of Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything. Uh, you and I cannot live the Christian life apart from the grace and power of God through His Holy Spirit in our lives. We're, we're powerless to do so. And so, uh, but we've got to acknowledge the sin. You've heard of people saying, hey, hey, I, I struggle with sin. I, I, I deal with this. And, uh, but, but they finally get to the point where they will admit there's a problem in their life. And that's the point at which they can begin to solve the problem. Uh, we need to admit that there is a problem within us called sin. Uh, if we're saying we have fellowship with God and we're practicing ongoing sin, we need to evaluate ourselves and look, say, look. What does the Bible say about this? Could it be that I am missing the fellowship with God that God desires me to have because I'm living in ongoing sin in my life? You see, uh, it's important that we don't evaluate ourselves by what other people say, by our own opinions, uh, by the opinions of, of this world's religions. 
We need to evaluate ourselves based on one thing and one thing only, what the Word of God says. That's how you evaluate your life. So he says, look, you need to admit that you have a problem with sin. Evaluate yourself. Say, am I living in ongoing sin? Am I ignoring a sin in my life? Am I excusing a sin? Am I saying, well, that's no big deal? Uh, am, I, am I glossing over the sin in my life? He says, if you're doing that, you're not going to walk in close fellowship with God. Can you be a Christian? Yeah, but you're not going to be close with God. How is it that two individuals saved at the same age one of them grows and becomes godly and serves the Lord and makes a difference. The other one stays at the same level their entire life. Have you ever wondered about that? What's the difference? Could it be that one makes a decision, I'm not going to continue on in sin. I'm going to choose to follow Christ. You see, you make that decision when you become a Christian, but you also continually make What, is, what did Jesus say? I die daily. We need to take up the cross daily and follow him. So, evaluate your life. Am I living in sin? If so, I need to repent. Uh, there's another scripture that says, examine yourself to see if you be of the faith. There are some, some tests that we need to take in our lives to see if we are where we should be as God's children, you're going to, going to school, you're going to get tests, aren't you? Uh, somebody once said, as long as there are tests in school, there'll be prayer in school. Uh, and I think that's true. Uh, you get tests, why? So you can go up to the next level. You need to test yourself as a child of God and examine your life in light of God's Word so that you can go to the next level in your walk with the Lord. So you want to enjoy a close relationship with God. First of all, receive his salvation. Secondly, know his character. Thirdly, evaluate your life. Fourthly, restore it through confession. Restore it through confession. Look at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What is confession? Well, it literally means to say the same thing. That you admit with God, yes, I'm a sinner. And, and specifically, that you confess the specific sin that you commit in your life. Uh, maybe maybe you're, you've got a bad attitude. Have you ever woke, woke up on a Monday morning and you, you uh, stub your toe and you, you, know, you spill hot coffee on yourself and you're and you're, you're not acting too much like a Christian, you know, and you're, uh, you're well, what do you do? You can say, Lord, forgive me, I blew it. I yelled at my kids, I, you know, whatever it is, I, I blew it. God, I confess that to you. It's, a, it's an admission of where you are with God. Now, it's an admission for the purpose of change. Sometimes you may be in a situation where you confess that sin, and, and you genuinely want to turn from that sin and follow Christ. Other times you may confess that sin and you may still be struggling within. Maybe your heart is still pointed toward that sin. Something good to do in that case would be to uh, pray 
for God to change your heart. Pray for the Spirit of God to fill you and, and live through you, have those right desires through you. Uh, but confess that sin. That confession is the first step. And when confession happens, what will take place, he says he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins. Well, wait a second. I thought my sins were already forgiven. I thought that happened when I, when I got saved, that my sins were forgiven. Yes, yes, it did happen. Matter of fact, all your sins, past, present, future, were forgiven at that moment when Jesus died and, and then you applied that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You received it. But what this is talking about is not so much not getting what I deserve for my sin. This is talking about fellowship. Okay? Now, if I, if I get in a fight with my wife, I never do that, right? You believe that? No. <laughs> uh, if I get in a fight with it, it has happened, okay? If I get in a fight with my wife, guess what? I'm still married. Okay? I, I don't cease to be married because I get in a fight with my wife. But, but the fellowship is broken. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't touch me. Right? I mean, the fellowship is broken. So what do I do? Well, if I'm wise, what I do is I apologize, right? I go to her and I say, look, look, I'm sorry. I acted like a jerk, okay? Will you forgive me? And, you know, maybe maybe some persuasion, you know. <laughs> but then, but then the, the relationship is what? It's mended, right? It's about fellowship. I don't cease to be her husband, but the fellowship is broken. That's what this is talking about. He's writing to Christians. He's saying, look. When you sin against God, what happens is your, your fellowship is broken. It offends God. He's grieved by it. His heart is broken. And so the way to mend that is through confessing that sin to God. And it opens up the lines of fellowship again so that you can walk in that relationship with God. Look what else he says he does. He says he will forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God also begins his work of cleansing or continues his work of cleansing in our lives as we confess. So that means if I'm struggling with a sin and I go to God and I say, Lord, I confess this to you and I'm in a bad place. I don't want to be here. Or maybe maybe I do want to be here and I need you, I need you to change my heart. God, uh, Lord, I'm struggling here. What, what is this verse saying? It says, as we confess our sin, God comes alongside and he begins to do his work of cleansing in our life. Aren't you glad you're not in this thing alone? God is with you. Um, you you're seeking to draw close to Christ. You're seeking to live a righteous lifestyle so you can draw close to him. Guess what? You're not alone. As you confess your sin, as you bring that to God and you are transparent with God about where you are, God begins to work in your heart and your life and begins to do his work of cleansing. And he comes alongside you to help you in your walk with him. So uh, as, you, as you do this, it's a cycle, okay? Now, some of you thinking, well, the preacher, you've never struggled with anything like I've struggled and you don't know what, I'm t what, what, I, what I deal with. Let me tell you something. I, I've, I've struggled at times in my life. Let's be real with you. There have been times I've struggled with, with sin in my life. 
uh, I have been in situations like, uh, for example, when I was in the military. Well, there's sin everywhere around me. And I'm going to tell you, there's a, there's a lot of pressure in those situations to conform to what you see. Um, praise God for the grace he gave me. But I'm going to tell you something. There is hope for you. If you are struggling, you don't need to think, this is what the devil wants you to think, and this is what the devil will whisper in your ear. Oh, it's hopeless. You can't ever get a handle on this. That's a lie from the enemy. You can get a hold of it. You can. God will come alongside you and help you. And so there's a cycle that you confess that sin uh, to God, and you, you pray to him and take your heart to him and and over time, God helps you grow. He, he does a cleansing process in your life so that you can then begin to draw close to him more and more. God won't force you in that process, but he will come to your aid in that process. So, walking in close fellowship with God, uh, it, it's not a mystery. The problem is sin. <laughs> Praise God, Jesus took care of that at Calvary. When we receive his salvation, we take that first step of having a close relationship with him. We need to evaluate our lives and, and see, is there sin in my life? We need to know his character that is opposed to sin. And, and then we need to restore our fellowship through confession. Have you done that in your life? Have you uh, regularly been bringing those sins to God? Somebody said, keep short accounts with God. The moment you sin, you realize that you need to confess it to the Lord. Say, Lord, forgive me. Uh, give me grace. Give me the, the ability, the filling of your Holy Spirit to, to respond in the right way. God, give me your grace to do the right thing. Um, but take that to him on a regular basis. Uh, don't wait to do that in the morning when you have your quiet time. Hopefully you have your quiet time every day. Don't just wait till the morning when you have your quiet time. Do it immediately. Take care of it immediately. You've heard that old statement, nip it in the bud. Dip it in the bud. And let me say one other thing. Some of you may have a sin in your life that nobody knows about. Uh, it may be something that, that you've, you've, you've had going on in your life and you think, well, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's not hurting anybody. Uh, nobody knows about it. And it's, let me tell you something. Sometimes there are little foxes that spoil the hen house. Those little foxes come in and they begin to work a destruction. Now, let me tell you this. You know what the devil says? The devil says he wants a foothold in your life. You know, the scripture says, don't give the devil a foothold. That small sin that you think it doesn't matter, I'm going to tell you what you're doing. You're giving the devil a foothold in your life. And when he gets a foothold, then he's going to develop a stronghold. He'll use that one area in your life to come into the other areas of your life and to work destruction. That's what his desire for you is, to destroy you. If you're a child of God, you've got a target on your chest. The devil can't stand you. And he wants to destroy you. Don't allow the devil to have a toehold in your life or a stronghold or anything else. And if he does have a stronghold in your life, confess that to God. Find a Christian you trust. 
confess to that Christian and say, look, I am struggling. You don't have to tell them the glory details. Just say, I'm struggling. I need somebody to pray for me. Let that Christian come alongside and pray for you that God will bring victory in your life. But don't stay where you are. The Bible says that God is rich in mercy. Aren't you glad? Uh, Lamentations 3 says, uh, It is of your mercies that we are not consumed, for your compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Is that not great? Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. God is rich in mercy toward you, child of God. So take courage. Take courage. If, you, if, you're, if you're struggling, take courage. God is for you. He's not against you. But take it seriously, too. Take that sin seriously so that you could go to that next level in your walk with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, giving us specific instructions, God, on how we can have fellowship with you, a close relationship with you through Jesus. Thank you for your grace that's new, your mercy that's new every morning. Thank you, Father, that just like we love our kids when they fail, you love us even more.